Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. So do you feel like you spend your life threatening your kids, trying, go sort of vacillating between being punitive and threatening punishments and timeouts or, you know, and then just wanting to connect with them and, and you just feel like maybe you're doing parenting all wrong. Um, I totally get it. (laughs) Me too. Anyway, my guest today is Michelle Kenny, and she is a parenting coach. She's the owner of Peace and Parenting, and she has a new book out called Unpunished. And I will tell you that I learned a lot from this conversation because, (laughs) you know, I still struggle so much with all of this, and my kid is almost 18, so... Um, So Michelle is, she's the mother of two girls, as well as a former teacher and counselor turned certified parenting instructor. And after years of consequences, bribes, and star charts, (laughs) sound familiar, she finally reshaped the relationship she shares with her daughters and credits peaceful parenting for changing her life. Michelle considers herself a recovering yeller, perfectionist, and control freak who has found a more calm and connected way to parent. Using the ideas of brain science as her guide and working on childhood hurts as her deeper work, she helps other parents do what she has been able to do for herself over the last decade. Like I said, I learned a lot from this episode. So without further ado, I'm just going to bring you my episode with the amazing Michelle Kenny. Michelle, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Yeah, it's, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, it's been a minute, but you have a new book out. This is so exciting. I have my first book out, which I'm really excited about. And um, it's a journey writing a book. So yeah, it once it came yeah, out, it I was is. like, yes, I'm done. Uh, I'm done. Now I have to start to promote it. <laughs> yes, now I have to promote it. But I, I love promoting it because it is, uh, you know, I, what I like most about it, it's it's brief. It's ah. short. And so you can see in the in the camera, but oh, yeah. um mm-hmm. it's short. And I think us parents need that. We do. You know, some of my favorite books are the ones that get straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My book we- is not gonna be short, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a hard time being brief. <laughs> yeah. But so okay, so tell us about the book. What's the the title? of the book is Unpunished, How to Let Go of Punishments and Find Your Parenting Peace. Yeah. It's it's just like, you know, how do you actually parent without using threats and bribes and consequences and yelling and all the things that we were likely parented with and that society says you should parent with? 
How do you go about just not doing that? And can you actually raise a great kid? And you can. Thank you. I mean, this is the, this is 95% of the uh, parenting arguments that I continue to have with my ex-husband. Yeah. So um, how do you, how do you, how do you do this? Like, how do you get a kid to do the things that quote, you want them to do, but right. that are, you know, presumably good for them. Right. Um, without consequences or yelling or. Yeah. I mean, I think those things are actually what make many kids push back even more. Yeah. So whereas you Weird. think, oh, I'll just, <laughs> yeah, I'll just threaten them to do this or I'll just bribe them to do that or I'll just incentivize them to, you know, take out the garbage or whatever it is that in the long run that for many kids, for a, a sector of strong-willed kids, especially will actually make them push back more. So where you think you're using this thing to get something done, you're actually yeah. creating like they might take out the garbage because they want to go out tonight. But then later when you ask them to do X, Y, or Z, are they going to say no because they harbor a little bit of resentment? And then do you have to threaten them or bribe them again to get them to do the thing? And now are you in this circle of the only way I can get my child to do something is by using one of these manipulative ideas? Yes. The answer is yes, you are. So then first and foremost, you have <laughs> to get rid of those manipulative, manipulative ideas, those, you know, <laughs> conventional parenting ideologies. You have to like just completely extract them. And then you feel lost. You're like, but wait, what, how do I get my kid to do their homework? If I can't yeah. tell them that they can't go out and play until they do. Right. How, how, how do you? Connection. <laughs> <laughs> Relationship. <laughs> So relationship and connection, if your kid feels good about the relationship that they share with you, like, you know, much like if you are at a job and if you feel great about the relationship that you share with your boss, you have a good connection, you have great communication, you have someone who respects you, who leads with love, who leads with, you know, thoughtfulness, you want to follow that person. Yeah. But yeah. if you have a, a boss that leads with, you know, complete dictatorship, with, you know, manipulation, with control, you're like, no, not, not, I don't want to perform for this person. It's a, a bit of a divergence from the, because I said so, yeah. right? Yeah. And it, it, and it also takes a lot more energy. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, maybe I should rephrase that because it might take, it takes, I think it takes more energy to argue and fight and struggle, right? In the long term. Um, because Lord knows how much energy I've spent in those battles, battles of will with my mm -hmm. very strong-willed, very intelligent um, kid over the years, right? It's exhausting. It's actually yeah. more exhausting. I think it is more exhausting. The problem becomes is that we grew up in homes where it was because I said so. And so when we come to parenting, in the back of our head, we're thinking, no, because I said so. You have to just do it. And so we are almost fighting ourselves half the time, you know? Mm. So I think that becomes the harder work is that you're fighting your own pedagogy, your own ingrained ideology. And that can be exhausting because you're constantly fighting yourself to do a different thing that you don't really know how to do. 
Yeah. And when you're like, and when you're trying to get your kid to do something that you're already questioning, like, you know, with a, with a, a rationale that you're already questioning and you're, <laughs> that you're already right. like, I don't think I believe this. Why am I saying this? Then you're not coming. You're not, you're less likely to get compliance. Yeah. And I think what you're really looking for is like mutual cooperation. Right. You want your kid to cooperate with you because they want to, because they desire to somehow care about what you think or care to please you or care to be on your good side or care to, you know, also be in a relationship where they're being reciprocal, where you're doing for them and they're doing for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And when I said compliance, I didn't, I think that was the, that was both the wrong, the, like the wrong word, but also the right word to totally illustrating what's happening. Right. It's like, do you want compliance or do you want cooperation and relationship? Right. Yeah. And you know, we are, we were expected to be compliant. Yes. Yes. So hmm, because you are in this situation as well, How does this work when you're co-parenting with somebody in a different household? So, or, or even in the same household, right? Like, but like you have very different parenting styles, Mm -hmm. but especially in divorce. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right though. You see it everywhere. We have, I have many connected parents whose partner doesn't do it. I have many connected divorce parents whose partner doesn't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So you find yourself in this quandary sometimes either way. Right. But I mean, if it depends on the relationship that you have with your ex. And I guess that's for all things, right? And when we have strained really (laughs) when we have strained relationships, then it becomes much harder. I try not to um hit it over my ex's head. I try not to tell him you're doing this wrong. You have to do it this way. You know, this is right. Here's what the brain science says. Here's what the studies say. I know best, et cetera, et cetera. I try to lead by example and say, and when I have hard times, I try to really tell my ex, like I had a really hard time with Esme. This happened, X, Y, and Z happened. And I tried to be empathic with her. I knew I should have been empathic. I knew I should have. I try to really tell him when I mess up and tell him what I should have done. I knew I should have just listened to her feelings. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, Chris. I just couldn't do it. And I I got mad at her and I got upset. And I try to illustrate when I mess up to him and and kind of tell him what I thought I should have done, mm-hmm. maybe as a teaching place to teach him what he should have done. How does he respond to that? He empathizes with me, which is incredible. He's good <laughs> with it. Yeah. And I think over time it has worked. It's not mm. the quick fix, right? It's not that right. I'm going to illustrate one thing for him and he's going to come to an epiphany. Right. Right. I mean, mine, you know, I think that mine, not not that I've tried that approach with him, but I mean, generally speaking, he is very grounded in consequences, in my estimation. I don't think he would say this, but it's about power and dominance with him. Yeah. So in a sense, I do feel like there's a lot of counter parenting happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I am perfectly fine to counter parent dominance. Yeah. Like I have no problem with that. <laughs> totally. And the thing is, is it all comes out in the wash. Uh huh. And I have plenty yeah. of clients who are single moms who we, 
have who have narcissistic exes, who have insane divorce stories, who have all kinds of things going on. And when we work deeply on the relationship that they share with their kids, they're golden right. because their kids see the difference and want to deeply be yes. with them even more. And so I said, that is your biggest ammunition against this whole dominant parenting, right? Is to lead the counter side of it mm -hmm. and have your child deeply understand that. And you yep. get to have the bonded relationship. Uh, yep. And, you know, I will say, and I, I think I've shared this on the podcast before that, you know, my son now lives with me full time. Yeah. Both my girls live with me full time. Hadn't have for years. Not that my ex is lovely. He just cannot emotionally support them like I can. Right. Sure. And he's there and he drives and he hangs out and he comes for dinner and we've got a great relationship, whatever. He's mm -hmm. just not able to give them the emotional support that they're used to getting with me. Right. He doesn't, yeah. he's not dominant. He's not mean. He's mm -hmm. just not able it to hold space. I think, you know, one of the things that uh, arguments that we had had in the past was, you know, my ex would say to me, and I, and I know that I have a lot of listeners who probably have similar experiences where my ex would say to me, you need to, we need to present a unified front. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to get on the same page. But what I think he really meant was that I needed to align and unify with him. Totally. And I got to tell you, it took me probably 10 years before I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. No, I don't. I actually don't need to unify mm -mm. with something I so deeply disagree with. Yeah. And a lot of parents will say to me too, like, don't we have to be on the same page? And I'm like, no, actually, you don't have to be on the same page. And sometimes right. you just aren't. And that's okay. The kids okay. figure it out. They figure right. it out. They understand yeah. it when it when push comes to shove. They do really feel and, you know, they probably have relationships with their dads or moms or whoever's on the other end. But it but it won't be like the one you have if you really lead with connection. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like, what does it mean yeah. to lead with connection? So there's a bunch of facets to connection. And I think that's why I wrote the book and I titled it Unpunished, because I think the number one thing you have to do is get rid of the punishments. Stop punishing your kids. Yeah, because that really eats and erodes connection and relationship because it harbors resentment and kids feel manipulated and then they have a you know bad taste in their mouth for you. Mm -hmm. And either you have the compliant kid who totally complies and they'll do whatever you say, but at the same time, they're only doing it to the detriment of themselves. Mm -hmm. Or you have the kid who's the, you know, very strong willed, who's going to fight you tooth and nail on everything. Mine. But either way, they, yeah, <laughs> mine too. I have one of each. Uh -huh. Either way, they're not doing it because they want to. Mm -hmm. They're not cooperating because they want to. So that's number one. Number two is, can you lead with empathy? Right. Can you have boundaries and limits and can you follow them up with empathy and understanding as opposed to following them up with punishments? So can you give an example of what that looks like? Yeah. So you've got the eight-year-old kid who's obsessed with the iPad, right? Every eight-year-old mm -hmm. kid is obsessed with the iPad. Mm -hmm. And you say the the rule is, the rule in the house is at, at six o'clock, we're going to turn the iPad off and we're going to have dinner time. And then, and we're not going to turn the iPad back on until tomorrow. That's my, that's my rule. And that's my limit. 
And so when you come to the child and say, guess what, honey, we got to turn the iPad off and they have an ever loving upset like you've never seen before. Their head is spinning around like you have tried to kill them. They're freaking out. (laughs) Our initial reaction is to, oh, no, 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 no. I'm shutting this down. This can't happen. They cannot have their feelings around it. We have to make it stop. We have to flip that script and we have to say, I understand. I know you're mad. I know you don't want to turn the iPad off, but we're turning it off and we're all done. And you listen empathically to the huge tantrum that ensues until it's over. And that is one of the basic understandings. I know. So I have a kid who, whenever I would say to him, I would do that, right? I did all of the, uh, you know, um, nonviolent communication parenting classes. um, And I, you know, so I would do that. Like when he was like one, I did all those classes, right? And I was like, and I would be like, I know, I know you don't want to turn the iPad off. And he'd go, yeah, so, so don't make me. Yeah, so, so, I so, I, so, I don't. And I'd go, no, we like, you know, and so anytime I would express empathy, it would be almost like he would hear it as, so you agree. <laughs> Yeah. And it would almost escalate the tension. I hear this all the time. Almost every single day I hear this. Mm. And it's a good thing. Because the reason in which the child cannot turn off the iPad is because they're not doing well. I mean, they're fine, right? They're but emotionally they have some sort of dysregulation happening. Uh Uh They're disconnected. Mm -hmm. So when you set the limit. On a child who's regulated, they will likely adhere to the limit. That's why you get the child who sometimes they're fine when you turn it off and sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. When you set the limit with a kid who's not doing that well, they have an emotional upset that's below the surface. And so when you set the limit, it allows them a space to get that emotionality out. It allows them to offload their feelings. Mm-hmm. So your empathy and your kindness and your ability to hold space really deeply brings out the feelings. Mm. So we don't want to shy away from that. We want to go head first into it and almost, I don't want to say make them angry, but keep reiterating the limit and keep pulling out those feelings and allow them to get as mad as they need to be. And I think also in that there's also consistency, right? Because the one time, I know for my kid, like the one time that you don't hold your boundary now all bets are off. Yeah, you can't. Right. Yeah, you can't go back on your boundaries. Unfortunately, yeah. you gotta. You have to kind of stick to them once they're there. Because mine is a classic. Like he will, he will rationalize and talk me out of it. Since he was two, like yeah. r- rationalizing, talking me out of. Yeah, but why does that have to happen? Because I don't think that that's right. Because then this and this and this and like and it's and it's just this whole like yeah. He's, you know, highly intelligent. That's dysregulation, right? They're Mm -hmm. just like in a different, it's just a different form of it. Mm. It's the reasoning and I'm going to try have to, and they're trying to keep themselves out of their feelings, right? So Mm -hmm. if they can get into their logical brain, if they can Uh move over from their limbic system to their prefrontal cortex, they can keep themselves from having big feelings. And if they're scared of their big feelings, they might try to go to rationale to keep themselves trying to keep it down, trying to keep it tamped down. 
But when we keep reiterating the limit, oh, I, I understand, but we're not going to have it. I, I get that, but we're going to turn the, then it just, it'll eventually spin them out. I wish I'd had this conversation with you 10 years ago. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, it's- we made it. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Wait, that's me. I know I have a lot of podcast episodes for you to get through, and it can be really, really overwhelming to try and figure out where to start or to comb through which ones might be uh, appropriate for you, whether you're trying to decide whether to stay or go, or you're already on the other side of the divorce process. Like, how do you know what to listen to? I have solved the problem for you. All you have to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist, answer a few short questions, and I will send you a curated list of podcast episodes to best support you as you navigate these tricky waters. I'll also help you identify where you currently stand on this journey and what's ahead with resources to help you move through this process with knowledge and grace. So all you need to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist, answer a few short questions, and you will have your curated list of podcast episodes that will support you wherever you are in your journey. And now back to our show. It's just an interesting way to think about feelings, really, is that all the all the behaviors are just telling you, hmm, this rigidity, whining, refusal, defiance, hitting, biting, kick, anything is telling you something. This mm-hmm. kid needs help. They need right. to get it out. Yes. And, you know, when you're, you know, I think uh, di- divorced or divorcing or even co-parenting with somebody who, you know, has different ways of parenting than you do and or maybe a little bit um, abusive to the children, mm-hmm. um, or at least dominant or, you know, leading with power and control, mm-hmm. you know, we're the ones who get the brunt of it, right? Because all yeah. of that stuff that's been under the surface now just bubbles up with us because we're safe. That is exactly right. And I, I mean, you probably feel it in your own house, probably talk to people all the time. It's all that- the time. We end up being the safe place and it runs us ragged because we don't have that counterparent to help us take some of the brunt. Right. And so to take that on for two or three or four kids, it's enough to put you in an insane asylum. Yeah. I mean, I took it for one and yeah. I, and I, you know, there, I had my moments. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not easy being an emotional support animal for somebody else. No, it's really not. It's really not. So, okay. So how else do we connect with our, with our kids? Another good way to connect would be to just have one-on-one time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say, oh, I'm always with my kids. We hang out all the time. I drive them to sports. I, the one-on-one time, it looks differently in connective parenting in that, you know, you really want to have them choose the activity. You really want to mm. give them control. You really yeah. want to make sure that they are having a place in their life where they can boss you around, where they can tell you what to do. And that's mm-hmm. what special time becomes is this 20-minute one-on-one time every single day. Every day. Every day with every kid. It's a lot. That's like a it's- full-time job. It is, but it's like if you can't spend 20 minutes alone with your child, you got to reevaluate your schedule. Mm-hmm, you really mm-hmm. do. And I, people will say, well, yeah, we have too many activities. We have this and that. And I'm like, well, 
then have fewer, maybe fewer activities. Yeah, yeah connection is sure. vital. It is as vital as water. You really need to have it every day with a kid. They need to feel connected to you so you can have a smooth household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do notice that with my son, you know, he's almost 18. He's graduating. Like there is, you know, he's always off with his friends. He's doing this, yep. he's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, yesterday I went into his bedroom and I sat down on his bed and I was like, hi, I just want to spend time with you. Like I'm, yeah. I miss you. I don't know what's going on. And we just sat and, you know, shot the shit. It wasn't anything profound. It wasn't like deep and meaningful. Yeah. It wasn't about feelings. I mean, it was, it was actually about my feelings about him going away, about him, you know, growing up and graduating. I was like, I'm having all these like really weird emotions. It's so strange. Like I, I don't even know what's going on with me, but you know, I'm so proud of you and all that stuff like that. I wasn't making it weird for him. Um, but I was just sharing my feelings, yeah. you know, and then it just opened up a really great conversation And I do notice that the more, and it's really easy not to, right? It's really easy when they're teenagers and they're doing their own thing and they don't want to talk to you because like, oh, mom, it's really easy. Like we want to respect their time and space, but also we have to, you know, when I make those moments, I notice that those moments beget more moments. That's right. That's what I think too. I have a 17 Mm -hmm. and a half year old too and a 14 and a half year old. Mm And when I pour deeply into my oldest, especially, I see it instantly that yep. she's she feels better. And yep. she'll say, do you want, she'll call and say, do you want to have dinner with me tonight? Do you want to hang out with me? Do you want to go hiking? And whenever I get that bid, because we're so used to doing special time, it's been mm-hmm. every day for 13 years. Right. And so now she asks me for it. Oh, wow. Because I think she knows it's just been part of our thing and she knows she needs it and she's busy and I'm busy. So it's like if we're both asking and trying to get in there, Mm -hmm. it's just been part of our ethos now. That's really sweet. That's really nice. It really is so sweet. And I feel so lucky that I just stuck to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I do notice even like in the driving, right? Like, because now he's driving, Mm -hmm. right? And so Mm -hmm. I'm in the car with, we're in the car together a lot now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when he was little, it was, that was the time that he would really open up and talk. Right. And so the car has always been, it's like the car. And then when he was little at night, when the light, as soon as the light turned off. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Right. As soon as the light turned off, like all of this stuff. Oh, we have something to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then I would, you know, he'd be like, mommy, stay with me until I fall asleep. And the conversations we would have in the dark were the most, you know, yeah. Just yeah. Connected and open, you know? Yeah. Cause when you're not like forcing them to stare at you in the face, like they're in the backseat of the car or they're in the dark, right? They just sort of Yeah. And I mean, I think part of parenting becomes for many of us task oriented, right? Mm-hmm. Did we yeah. do our homework? Did I get you to activities? Did you eat a good meal? Are you <sighs> did you brush your teeth? Did you take a shower? And then you know, in those moments where there is no task to do, like the car or right before bed. No, right. Then it becomes like this place. And it's like, if all our interactions are tasks, then what are we forming in our relationship? Becomes transactional, right? Yeah, it really does. And I don't think it's no fault of us parents because we live in a society that doesn't value connection. Mm -hmm. It values getting things done. So speaking of getting things done, right? Because this can feel like, 
oh my God, it's another thing I have to do. to do. Yes. Right. And I like, know. I'm doing it wrong yeah. and oh fuck. And you know, all of those no. things. And so how do we take care of ourselves in the midst of like more things to do or yeah, I don't know, like it almost sounds like, you know, like connecting with your kid really sounds like it should be actually slowing down. Right. Yeah. And actually providing space. But for some people I can imagine like, you know, you've got a single mom who's working her ass off. She's working two, three jobs, just trying to pay the bills. And it feels like it's a lot. Yeah. I'll just say like, I started out my parenting journey, yelling, screaming, timeouting, you know, threats, bribes, and all the things. At some point I got so frustrated with myself and felt like I was just this yelling, screaming monster that I wanted to change. Mm -hmm. And when I made that change, I decided I was going to let go of some things because I I wanted to recalibrate our life. And so mm-hmm. it was like, I'm not making organic meals every night anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. going to worry about that for a while. I'm going to, right. we're eating soup and sandwiches. We're ordering pizza. We're doing what's easy so that I can make time to connect with my kids. Mm. And when I recalibrated just for a little bit, like two or three months, when I started to say, you know what, the dishes can pile up, the laundry can wait, the things that are not essential can wait for a minute. I found once I really dove into connection that I ended up having more time because mm-hmm. we weren't struggling so much. We weren't fighting. Mm-hmm. There wasn't these huge upsets that were taking us down. And so long-term, I ended up getting more time. But you're right. I had to, I really had to like cut out a bunch of things at the beginning because I couldn't, we couldn't fit it in. Yeah. You know, bedtime like was taking that. two hours. Yikes. Yeah. Because no. it was like a threat and a bribe and a timeout and a yelling and screaming and nobody would brush their teeth. And, you know, I was shutting the door on kids who are crying and yelling, screaming and, you know, having a hard time. And once I started doing special time, I was like, oh, everyone went to bed. That was easy because they felt better. So I gained an hour and a half every night. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It was good. And then I was, then I could go back to my organic meals. I could go back to working all the time. I could go back to all the things I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And then how do you fit in your personal self-care into all of that? <laughs> 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 I mean, not fighting with your kids I is mean... actually an enormous like yes. exercise and self-care, by the way. That's what I would say is that connection gives you more self-care because you can actually breathe and you feel good and you're not yelling and screaming anymore. But right. I mean, I am the I need to work on it all the time. I'm not good at it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'll work myself to the bone. I'll lock myself in my office. I'll do all kinds of things I know I shouldn't. And I don't know how I do the self-care. I really, I have a listening partner who also does this parenting method. She's also a coach. And so we spend time on the phone really like downloading, like, you know, Uh, my ex, I can't take it. He didn't, you know, he wasn't there helping me. I'm taking on all the feelings. Like I get to really have my tantrums with her. Been really helpful. Um, Yeah. Sleep for me is like a big one. I need my sleep and I know that. And I've spent many years not doing it right. And I've just recently said like 1030 is it, Michelle. Like you cannot watch beef all night. On all night. No. <laughs> you can't 1030, my dear, is right. it. That's it. That's it. Yep. I'm That's the same. That. that is it. Nine. Nine is my cutoff. I mean, sometimes I'll watch till like 930, but that's it. That's it. That's it. 
That's it. I, I I've learned go the hard it. way. I'm old. I've learned the hard way. I know what I need to do. And it is sleep and having my tantrums. Those are the two things I make sure I do all the time. I love that you have a tantrum partner. I think that's yeah. really uh that's really great. I did that the other night. I I'm I'm a I'm a classic isolator when I'm like I'm not doing you know, well. when when I'm not doing well, I completely yeah. isolate. And my yeah. best friend knows me well enough that he knows that if I go silent. Uh-huh. something's up so he calls me and he's like what's going on and i'm like uh, and i and the other night i texted him and i was like i need to go to the spa so we meet at we spa which oh, yeah. is for yeah. those who don't know those outside of la it's a we have this amazing korean spa um it's like a factory but it's you know it, it has a great co-ed area so i went in I did my 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 soaks and I got a scrub where I mean pounds of they dead skin. Your and then they take off your all of your skin. And then I am so soft right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I am not soft. I need that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I was like, I looked down at the table and I was like, oh my yeah. God. And it's like brown and gross and dirty. And you're like, that's not my skin, is it? <laughs> Me? gross <laughs> like looks like it has like pieces of dirt in it i know i know so anyway but then we just met in the co-ed area you're lying on this heated floor on these Ugh. mats with blankets and we're just we're like cuddled up together and i was just vomiting and then i just like curled up in his like in a ball in his arms and Aww. then i was like i'm all better now <laughs> Well, that's it. And I think that's so lovely. That's what our children feel after they have those big tantrums. Totally. So this is why, so in our parenting ideology, connected parenting, we do this partnership because it strengthens the way in which we can listen to our kids. Yeah. Because we're modeling it and we're doing it. And so if you work with me or join any of my programs, I team you up with someone. So my one-on-one clients, I match make them with something. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have that support ongoing. That's such a great, it's such a great thing. It is. Especially with parenting, because it's different. Like, you know, my 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 best friend is, you know, is a gay man with who does not have children. I mean, he's he's my son's godfather. He knows him intimately, but he doesn't have that, he doesn't have that shared shared parenting experience. Yeah. And there's something about it that is different, you know, that it really Unless you're a parent, you might not completely, I'm sure he knows, but he doesn't know completely what it feels like. You need another parent to kind of really say, I hear you. I see you. I've been there. And, you know, and, you know, and he does know me. He's known me for almost, you know, 35 years. So he's right. But yeah, yeah. But just having that person, right? Just having Mm -hmm. somebody. Yeah, we have a Thursday tantrum thread in my local moms group. Mm-hmm. We have a really great, um, small, like insular um, mm-hmm. local moms group, and it's really like it, it, it was born out of one of the bigger ones that then got so big and it became a little bit untenable and then mm-hmm. unsafe. What used to be like the safest place in the internet, and so we started um, a couple of the moms started. A, a new one that was a yeah. little smaller. That too is just like it's it's all just loving moms who are like, I see you, I love yeah. you, we've got you. Yeah, and it's if you're taking on this emotionality of all your kids and maybe even your ex or the or your divorce, if you're taking on all the emotion of all these things, you need a place. You do need a place. 
Yeah, that's the self-care piece, having a place. All right, so you're connecting. You are finding these in other other forms, other ways of connecting, finding these individual times I mean, there's every a, day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Empathy play is another big one, like really trying to be playful with your kids and trying to come to off-track behaviors with play as opposed to coming with, you know, punishment or a consequence. We can come with play like, oh, little boys who want to hit or bite or kick their brother or sister are going to have to have a hundred million kisses from their mama. (laughs) And so you, you know, you get that physical limit with the kid and you kiss them and you hug them and you connect with them in those moments where they're really off Mm. track. We use that Mm. as a really good, you can use it with teenagers too. I'll be to to my oldest. I'll be like, oh, little girls who are sassy to their mom must need hugs, I guess. Isn't that what you wanted? Like, no, I don't want to hug. I'm like, are you sure you don't want to hug? I think you do. You might need one. You look like you need a hug. She's like, don't touch me. Okay. I won't touch you, but I'm waiting right over here for when you're ready. You know, and I just keep at her Uh with the playful connection and eventually she'll succumb to it. And I can turn a real snarky situation into something that is chill. Oh, that's really great. I'm going to need some more of those. I'm going to need some more snarky teenage tips, please. Oh, yeah. Just come, <laughs> just tell them you're going to kiss and hug them and they like, they'll lose it. And you, and then you just be like, are you sure? Come on, please. Can I just have a pinky hug then? Can I just touch your shoulder? What about a butterfly kiss? Oh, I just keep going. Oh. I don't stop. <laughs> I don't let them off the hook. My son will be like, mom, stop. They get so mad. They get so mad, they'll hug you. That's funny. I did that yesterday with my son where when we were having that time on his bed and we were having this conversation and I said, I was being, just being very honest and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to put this on him or sort of, you know, parentify him. Like I was, but I was like, you know, it's really hard for me. Like I'm, I'm alone. I don't have a partner and you're kind of growing up and moving on. And I'm trying to figure out like who I am next and what, you know? Yeah. And he said, mom, this is kind of weird, but like, do you like when you're your age, like, do you miss like sex? And I was like, and I said, and I was like, I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, as a menopausal woman, I can tell you that no, I do I not miss sex. Gonna... I don't give a fuck if I ever have sex again. <laughs> and I said, but he goes, but do you miss cuddling? And I said, yes. Yeah. I desperately miss cuddling. I was like, that's why I'm always trying to get you to hug me because like, you know, yeah. I want to cuddle my, and he's never been a hugger, never been a cuddler, like never, except he is with his girlfriend now. And I'm like, uh-huh asshole (laughs) yeah but then i said i was like that's why i'm always trying to get you to hug me because you know just you know that's it feels good like you know yeah and he was like oh okay and then he turned around and he gave me a hug and i was so sweet (laughs) he's like i get it you know, Virginia Satara, she's an older psychologist. I didn't, I don't think she's even alive anymore, but she did a um, study on the hug study. Mm, and she said mm-hmm. you need 12 hugs a day to promote your relationship with somebody. You need eight hugs a day just to maintain it. Like how? I don't know. That's what I, sometimes I'll give my parents um, the assignment to hug their kids as many times as they can in one day uh-huh. and to see how, see they can, can you get to eight? Can you just get to eight? No, I know. And I try to just get to some days I'll just challenge myself to get to six with my teenagers. 
Oh my God. If I can I get one, I'm lucky. I mean, my kid I, is also yeah. the one that like in second grade, I dropped him off to school and I opened my arms for our daily, like goodbye hug. And he was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And I was like, out. I was like, it's second grade. You're not, I'm not, I'm not ready for you to not do, like, wait a minute. <laughs> he is like, I'm done. I, I'm He's like, fine. I'm done. I'm done. I've got That's this. That's good. He showed like, he he showed good resilience, right? He's able, he's ready. He's ready to mingle. I was not ready. I know. We're never ready. And now this is going to be a big step for you. Yeah. Yeah. He's staying here. He's not going to college yet. So he's here. Okay, good. Do we like that? Yes, I do my, like that. My daughter is like applying everywhere that is not here. Mm-hmm. He She's will gone. eventually. I hope he does eventually. He's just not ready yet. Like he's you know, he's got really severe ADHD. Like he's just not ready. And I, I, I'm like, good, then don't. Good. No, it's so smart. I mean, 18 is very young to go off on your own, I think. Yeah. And he's not yet 18. Like he's, yeah. a young, he's young for his year too. Yeah. Like he's young for his grade. So anyway, yeah, thank you. So, okay. Anything else, any other tips that you want to give us from this book before we tell everyone to go and order it? Um, the book is, you know, part is memoir, like some of Uh my struggles, the things that I really had a hard time with early on in parenting. Okay. And so I think those are helpful because we often think we're alone in this struggle and that nobody else and that these parenting experts, you know, they know how to do everything. They were born, you know. Yeah. Like you were born in a ship. We don't have that. We don't have. It's so good to hear you say like what, a like, you know, how awful it was for you in the beginning, because you know, we can make up that like, you know, you just have this gentle demeanor, you know, no, and that like, I don't. <laughs> and I still have a hard time. I mean, I'll, I tell my clients all the time, like I yelled at Esme the other day. I yeah. couldn't keep my cool. I was not regulated. I was not taking care of myself mm-hmm. and I lost it on her and it was totally my fault. And that still will happen no matter who you are or what you're doing. And so I think that's why this book is good as it helps you feel like, oh, this person too is struggling, and but she made change. Yes. And I can do that too. I can make change in my life. I can do it yeah. differently. I can try something new. And and I'm just a regular person like everyone else. And I didn't know that you could pair it this way, but you can. And it feels good. Amazing. This is so great. So where can everyone find the book? So you can find it in two places. You can go on unpunishedbook.com. And I will ship it to you if you're international, especially because you can't get it on Amazon internationally. If you want to, you can get it on also on Amazon. It's there too. So we, you can get it in two spots. So the book is unpunished, unpunishedbook.com. You got it. Awesome. And I'm sure there are links on your, um, also on your Instagram and everywhere else. Yep, there's right? links on my Instagram. I, I did a couple of podcasts. I just read from the book. So you can oh. find those unpunished podcasts. Like I read the intro and I read part of chapter one. So you can get like a little taste of it. Uh-huh. It's also on Audible. Oh, good. So get it there too. Awesome. Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. It's so inspiring. <laughs> I've actually learned a few things today that I'm going to take into my life. Good. I'm glad. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I so appreciate it. And thank you for doing all your important work on, in the divorce you know, arena. I, we all need it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And back at you in the parenting arena. Boy, do we need it. (laughs) Oh, I know. Thanks, love. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. 
I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.